tuning you in now to the LBX Daily Show. Brought to you by the LBX Collective. Your community to connect, engage, and inspire. Now, let's get ready to roll. With your hosts, Christine Buer and Brandon Wiley. <laughs> well, hey there, guys. Welcome to another edition of The Daily Show. Uh, we are going to be diving into all things location-based entertainment today. So let's get another episode rolling, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, all things location-based entertainment, except for this first one, which is, uh, I just oh, felt like, yeah. you have to I'm, sure, you know, I'm sure everybody has heard this, right? But I, I'm a super massive space geek. And so I was just super excited that Intuitive Machines, Nova Sea Cargo Lander, they've called it Odysseus after obviously the Greek hero is the first U S spacecraft to soft land on the lunar surface since 1972. So there's two things in that to unpack there first, like awesome that we actually landed on the moon again. And here's a picture of that lander. And so we've officially landed on the moon. This is an autonomous lander. So it wasn't humans on this thing, but I also think it's like sad that we had to go 52 years before we actually visited the moon again, like, come on. Like, so I, I, I do get a little bit frustrated that it took this long for us to go back to the moon. And, uh, but you know what though, what's also cool about this is this is the first company, like first commercial company to pull off a moon landing. So up to this point, only government agencies have actually carried out all previously successful missions, um, including, I mean, so yeah, it, like there, there's no, this is the first time a commercial company has actually landed. So I think that's the one other thing is this is totally changing the game of space. And we're going to see a lot more commercial companies officially you know, start doing things in space. And I think this is really going to start to accelerate a new space race for us, I hope. But uh, anyway, congratulations to Intuitive Machines. Uh, it's a pretty big fucking deal. Yeah, no kidding. This is awesome. And what's the purpose of this, though? Are they sending this up to do tests or are they trialing out new things or did they just need to land something on the moon, for God's sakes? Yeah, there there was that first. Uh, sure. But then NASA actually paid them, I think it was about 118 million. I have to go back and double check, but I think 118 million or something around there, plus or minus 10 million for uh, to actually transport scientific tests up there. So they actually have six different tests that are oh, loaded into the okay. lander and they'll be doing science and stuff while they're there. One of those things is to hopefully try to identify if there is uh, frozen water because they're on the south side of the moon. So if there's you know, water in any of these, you know, any craters anywhere nearby. And so that's one of the main reasons is one, can we just go and land this thing? So can we actually land autonomously on, on the moon? And then two, to do some science and NASA paid them to do that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, they don't need to land things on the moon. You just need to watch for all mankind. They've already like mapped out the future for us on that TV show. <laughs> I, I, mean, hope like, not. Really. I hope not. I, I hope we don't have, <laughs> although you know what, if you, well, I don't want to give away too much about the, the, the show, but yeah, absolutely loved that show as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, it was a really good one. All right. Okay. Well, you know what? We talk a lot about how we don't understand what the future of esports is going to look like and um, what that means for location-based entertainment, but <laughs> holy moly, um, I found this school. This is uh, the Frank Nims Middle School in Tallahassee, Florida, that doesn't seem to think that it's an issue. They are going guns a-blazing, and they are implementing this into their school and think it's going to revolutionize the way that they build and do education. Now, um, I've got some pictures here. Now, this initiative is part, and this is kind of one of the gaming rooms that they're building. This initiative is part of an ambitious $8 million renovation that they're doing to the school, which is going to include a new cafeteria, a new gym, 
And the idea is that it's showcasing the district's commitment to blending traditional modern educational technologies into traditional um, uh, educational technology or regular schoolroom learning, right? Now, <clears throat> the, the school aims to leverage esports to foster teamwork, concentration, and strategic thinking among students. Now, they believe that this uh, esports lab will offer an alternative for students who don't typically engage in traditional sports by promoting a more inclusive environment that values diverse talents and interests, which I thought was really interesting. Let's take a look at the next page here. All right, you can see kind of the tech setup that's going on in this room, right? They're really promoting promoting tech forward learning and they have equipped this room with high-end gaming chairs, LED light up desks, 100 inch flat screen TVs that really kind of embody that whole tech forward approach. Now the budget for this room was half a million dollars. <laughs> which is absolutely mind boggling to me, right? Now they're expecting that this is going to have a profound impact on the community and they're going to be using this to build into their curriculum. So they're gonna be offering industry certification exams here. Um, they're gonna be equipping this uh, students with tech, uh, tech skills going forward. And you know they're gonna have game design, they're gonna host competitions, they're gonna facilitate hands-on learning in this space. I think it's mesmerizing to me. I wish I was going to school right now to take advantage of some of these new tech opportunities and rooms and things that are being built out there. What do you think of this? Yeah, I mean, this is an upgrade from the old Apple II and Macintosh, you know, computer labs that I grew up with. But oh. uh, so certainly an upgrade from there. I think that I am not sure. Like, I'd love to understand how they plan to integrate like an educational curriculum. I think it's great that they're just got an alternative sports program that's esports, so it's not going away at all. And and I know like we were talking a little bit beforehand. One of my son's good friends is I think number one or number two in the state of Arizona for Super Smash Bros and esports, and so he competes in esports tournaments. And he's actually on the school esports team. Not my son, but his friend. And they, you know, they have competitions. And so, you know, why not have a really good system set up to train and you know, prepare students? Like, you know, if you're going to spend a couple million dollars on a good football facility and you want to win championships in football, well, why not also do the same thing in esports? That thing, it's not going away. And it's a skill that kids can have and can compete with down the line. But yeah, those are my thoughts, I guess. Yeah, I, I just... Uh... I don't know. I'm, I struggle with it a little bit because to me, it's still gaming. It's still an arcade. And I just really question what the learning is that people are going to get out of it. Like in a traditional sporting environment, like you're, you're not a football team while you're creating a team environment. I guess, I guess you do that with esports to you do. some degree, but yeah. you're getting physical activity. You're getting out there, you're getting outside, your body's moving around. And with this, you're just encouraging people to sit down and look at a computer screen. And we know so many of these things are already bad for you. I just, I don't know. I'm worried. I'm worried. Yeah, I'm worried. I, I don't know. I, so, okay. That's, I mean, that's fair. I, I agree with all of those things, but I think it's at the same time, if you can't beat them, join them. And so why not provide a really good facility yeah. for those who are going to do it? There's no way my friend, uh, my, my son's friend is going to go and get involved oh. in sports. He's just not, he's not built that way. He's not interested in those things. So why not give him the opportunity to compete and you know, have you know competitively and still build team camaraderie and everything else while uh, doing something that he's he's made for. I mean, there, there are people just who aren't in, yeah. you know, made for sports, I guess. And um, so this is, uh, yeah, this is one of them. I still well, think though that this yeah. doesn't really impact our, you know, whether or not we should be integrating esports into FECs or LBEs. Like I just don't 
think that that's still a good fit. Yeah. So I think we've tried it and it hasn't really worked. So I, th- I think it's good that we're seeing maybe some of these facilities popping up in schools so that, mm-hmm. you know, other FECs and venues don't think they have to put these things in. Yeah, that's true. That's right. That's a very good point. Now, one of the things that I didn't have time to research is I wanted to get a better understanding if universities and colleges and high schools are actually offering courses as well for kids so that you can kind of keep doing the steps to learning, right? And eventually you go get a degree in esports in university. And if that's the case, then I can see why they would start to implement this at a younger age to get people familiar with this and, you know, have all the advantages. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. And there will be scholarships that come like universities will start to give out scholarships for their esports teams because again, esports is not going away and it's getting bigger and bigger and if they can get massive sponsorships and money coming into their schools, their universities through esports, then well they're going to start recruiting really good esports players. Well, what do you have to do? You have to start practicing and building up esports kids and if you want your kids from your school to be recruited by universities and you know then you've got to have a good esports venue and facility so it's interesting how it all flows downward you're gonna have to get your one one year old onto that uh, nintendo switch sooner than you think (laughs) no 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 yeah yeah right so oh dear yeah all right so uh, this, this has, there's no, there's no good transition here. So I'll just uh, go ahead and transition you know, separately. So my, my friend is, uh, so he's actually owns cheap skate and he also recently acquired the zero gravity trampoline park in 2022. I'll bring him up here. His name's Ed Golubiowski. And he recently was showcased in a two part article in vending times. And so I was reading the article and I was like, you know what? I think there's actually something here to talk about. So, you know, at the time when he first acquired Zero Gravity Trampoline Park, they didn't, they don't have a traditional F&B program at all. So they don't have a snack bar. They don't have anything. All they had was two glass front uh, beverage machines and a glass front stack machine and an ice cream machine. And that's it. So that, that's what they had for their, for their food and beverage. And they were all in the general seating area. And, you know, basically like all the crowds were coming post-pandemic. It was just not enough food and snacks to feed, keep everybody fed. His facility is about 25,000 square feet. So anyway, he came across this Skittles Remix digital kiosk from Incredivend. And, uh, and yeah, I'm sure those, uh, you, we've, we've all seen them. They were at, it was at IAPA in 2021. And then it's been there ever since. In fact, it was actually just at the Roller Skating Association show last year in, uh, in 2020. And so he he basically came across this machine. You can see it here and it makes, I don't know if you have ever seen it, it like mixes and matches the different Skittles colors and everything else. And he sells these things for $5 for a five ounce cup and then $8 for an eight ounce cup. And he said it does $300 a week on average. And so he spent about $9,000 for the machine. So he expects to have his payback in about eight months. Um, So he also replaced his, uh, we'll go here. There's a bit of version or, you know, look at the Skittles machine. So then he also did a couple of things here. He increased or enhanced the types of food inside of his ice cream machine. So he included Haagen-Dazs ice cream bars and like leveled up some more name brand ice cream than what was in there originally, mostly just for the parents. Cause they want some better ice cream that's there. And then he added a, um, a cotton candy machine and a popcorn machine. So you can see here, we'll scroll over this cotton candy machine and this popcorn machine is awesome, right? Oh, I love this popcorn machine. It is so awesome. We saw it at IAPA this year. I couldn't get enough of it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it's super cool. So he's just done a good job and, you know, re like reinventing. And I just thought he doesn't have a traditional F and B 
there may be parks and LBEs out there that don't have traditional F&B, but there's some really interesting things. Like he really focused on finding things that create an experience besides just delivering candy. So if you notice, he has no glass front snack machines anymore. It's just, it's all this different experiences. So he has the M&Ms, which also has the ability to do different, you know, selections and things from, you know, M&M and Mars candy packages. And so anyway, he just created experiences using these vending machines and added and enhanced his thing. He did say that the, his revenue, his, his food and beverage revenue has quadrupled from 2021 to 2023 because of the changes he made through his vending machines. Oh. Well, you know, what's so cool about this is when it's self-serves, so you don't need extra employees to get some, you know, higher revenue numbers too. I had a cotton candy machine in my center for a long time. And I swear the thing never stopped working because everybody wanted to see the cotton candy being made. It was such a cool experience, right? Mm -hmm. And that popcorn maker is similar in the way that you can see it all popping and it all coming out. So I think it's a really great idea. The one concern I have though, is that ice cream machine, what happens if the power goes out? Like, is the freezer insulated enough that, you know, your, all your product isn't going to melt and run down? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it's, it's like, it's like, you know, when you're, when your power goes out of your house and you just don't open your freezer door or your fridge door, unless you absolutely have to, you just keep it insulated and it'll stay for at least a good amount of time. But yeah, I imagine that if it goes out for a long period of time, he's got a problem. It would be a shame for all those Hagen dazs bars to go to waste. (laughs) Well, you wouldn't go to waste. You just eat them all really quick. Yeah. I guess you get a really big straw and slurp them all up. So yeah. Yeah, Fun. (laughs) All right. That's so great. Well, speaking of, um, okay, bad transition, not going to do it. Anyway, um, I thought that it would be really interesting to talk about this new go-kart place that's opening up in Kelowna, BC in Canada. Now, it's kind of exciting for us up here because we don't get go-karting places. Like, we don't get a lot of new facilities. So when we see something new and unique and really awesome coming out, I think it's it's a good idea to highlight it. And I think that what they've done here at this new Kelowna karting, it's called, facility is awesome because they've done it very well. So it's a 48,000 square foot facility, which is going to feature two tracks, which I think is super cool. So they're going to have a junior track, which is just for the little guys. And then they're going to have a regular large size go-kart track for regular human beings or adult human beings, I should say. Now, what's really cool about this track, and I'm going to bring up the website here in a second, because I think they did a great job on that, but it's being opened by race car driver, Scott Hargrove. And he is one of Canada's premier racers. He's won over 30 races and he has spent a lot of time in the Porsche GT3 Cup in Canada and won quite a few of them. Now, I'm not a racer myself, so I don't really understand how uh, good or bad these these things that he's won are, but it, it seems like he's made a really big name for himself. And I think that it's super cool that he's taking his expertise from racing and he's going to apply it to his facility. So let me pop this up on stage. Okay, so here we go. Uh, Kelowna Karting, it's called. Now you can see here uh, they've got a really nice layout with the you know their logo is really well done. They have these um, the, the some early bird packages here, which I thought was really smart. So I'm not sure exactly when they're opening, but they've given us another uh, 12 days to buy some early bird packages, which are lovely. Uh, they have a picture of what their tracks are actually going to look like, which I thought was cool. So down here on the bottom left, you can see the little kids track. And then up on the top here on the right, you can see the big go-kart track that's kind of coming through, which is cool because a lot of places don't actually post what their go-kart tracks look like. So I think it's good that we're getting a peek into that here. Um, and you know, I, I, I think that the website was really well laid out. Uh, it's got information about um, groups and parties, different events. They have a a bunch of merchandise that you can buy ahead of time. They've got frequently asked questions. You know, they say they're opening in spring. And one thing that you didn't see here is when I first popped the 
the website open, it asks for my information. So they're collecting information and saying, let us, uh, you know, sign up for our, our customer list. And then we'll let you know as things are progressing along as to when we're actually going to be open. Anyway, I, I just thought I'd highlight it because I thought they did a really great job. Yeah. Yeah. What they've done checks all the boxes for me. They, they did a, they've done a phenomenal job. The logo is great. The colors are great. The website design and flow is solid. And yeah, selling, can't ask for any more collecting data from your website visitors beforehand and then selling pre-selling packages, like, you know, yeah, locked ooh, it in. Right? So they're doing a good job. Yeah, smart. Smart. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, Kelowna is a bit of a smaller town. I think we were looking at the population before we were about 150,000 people. So people mm-hmm. might be like, wow, why would you put such a, a, a cool facility in, or a big facility? But number one, when you looked at the tracks, they're all flat. So we're not building multi-level tracks here that are super expensive. So you're just building a warehouse with some barriers, which is not too bad. And also, if you know uh, Kelowna, you know that it gets heavy tourist tra- traffic through probably three quarters of the year where people are always coming into town and looking for something fun to do. So I expect that, you know, during those times, this place is actually going to be pretty busy and get up quite a bit of business. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, looks, it, it looks great. And I think it'd be a good addition to Kelowna for sure. I uh, do believe there's a, there's a, there's a laser tag place there in Kelowna also. <laughs> there, I believe there is a laser tag place in Kelowna. Yes, that's right. So you can hit them both up if you head on yes. up to Canada and join us. Yes. <laughs> Come exactly. on up during the summer. It's an amazing place. <laughs> um, all right. So Blackpool Zoo. I know you're like, why are we talking about a zoo? Which is just because I thought this was interesting uh, and actually brilliant. And I don't know why we didn't think about this sooner. So Blackpool Zoo is using colored edible glitter to identify the sparkly poo of its female Asian elephants to monitor their reproductive cycles. So you know, pull up some of these, these friendly looking elephants here. Just so we can look at elephants while we talk about this. So, uh, you know, basically it was a recommendation from the European Endangered Species Program. And the edible glitter was introduced as basically because the zoo workers needed a way to successfully identify and test individual dung samples. So each of the female elephants is given food containing a different color of edible glitter and then obviously that comes through and appears in the poo. And so then the, the samples are collected twice a week and then they're sent to a research laboratory, actually at Chester Zoo, so a different zoo for analysis. And then the results allow the Blackpool Zoo's keeper team to track the animal's reproductive cycles and check if they're pregnant. So now they're able to see so much earlier through through analyzing the, the poop if the elephants are pregnant. And the reason why this is so important, I didn't realize this as well, but like, the Asian elephant species is classified as endangered by the International Union for Conservation of Nature, but its population has declined by at least 50% over the last three generations. Mm-hmm. So that's massive. And so anything we can do to do this, and here's an example of them adding glitter into the food. So this is them adding glitter into the food and, you know, I don't know who gets the green, but this is the green glitter. But I just thought it was uh, yeah, it was yeah. brilliant. Like, why have we not been doing this sooner for all sorts of animals and zoos and yeah, even wild yeah. animals to to identify, like you know, wild animals a little bit harder to control what they're eating and making sure they're eating something with glitter. But certainly within zoos, I would imagine like this this should be done you know, much more frequently. I would think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love it. I just hope that nobody mixes up the glitter that this each individual elephant gets. What if you had a a purple and pink poop? <laughs> it's like oops <laughs> right yeah yeah and you obviously oh, have to wow. control like the elephant make sure the elephant eats just their food and doesn't eat somebody else's food and that kind of thing but still i think it's a it's a great oh, it's way to, to do that and you know frankly like would 
I kind of want to do that with my own dogs. Like I have two dogs. I'm kind of curious, like, okay, which dog is, ah. you know, you know, doing its business in my yard and you know, how mm. frequently and just, you know, it'd be kind of fun to play around with some edible glitter and give it to the dogs. So maybe we'll do that. Okay. Uh, make sure you let us know how that experiment goes. We're dying to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'll take some pictures for you. <laughs> Fabulous. Fabulous. Yes. Just what I wanted. All right. All right. Well, everybody, this is, uh, I think we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap today's show and we'll save, I've got one thing, you know, kind of a feel good story. We'll save that for tomorrow. We'll talk about tomorrow. So anyway, all that being said, everybody, this is CB back in Canada signing off BW. Stay tuned and keep kicking ass. Have a glittery day, everyone. (laughs) 